1: Our expert from REMAX Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif.
2: Good morning, Tina.
1: Okay, we're going to start with a number of issues that have made headlines this last little while, including rental fraud, home sale fraud, mortgage fraud. What has happened in these recent situations and how do folks prevent it?
2: Well, it it certainly is concerning and there's, there's a number of different, Checks and balances that need to be taken into consideration when you're dealing with personal property. Um, and you know rental fraud is probably the hardest because uh, you know you, sometimes you have other people renting out an owner's property. It's easy to check because you can check the land registry, make sure that it is the owner, and uh, you know it's it's easier on the realtor side. but what's happening is people are putting, places for lease on Marketplace or Kijiji. And the rental market is so competitive right now that people will do anything to secure a property. And that's complicating and making it really easy for these fraudsters to get away with these rental scams. And by that, I mean, they will advertise a place for lease and tell you that there's a lot of competition. You need to send them a deposit directly. And what happens is people do send them that deposit, but there's no property. The property doesn't exist. So they're either using a property that uh, may be on the MLS and, and people can go on and take a look at it online and then send their deposit. But if a property is on the MLS, you should never send anyone a direct deposit. Always make sure you go through a real estate trust account and the money is being held in trust by a brokerage. And that's going to give you some peace of mind that At least you're not a victim of fraud or a victim of a scam and that's happening a lot more recently so uh, again it's the competitive environment uh, for rentals right now and there's some people trying to take advantage of uh, unsuspecting renters
1: okay so i know we're going to talk a great deal about rental properties a little bit later on in the show but your advice then would be to avoid rental fraud don't get involved in any sort of direct deposit scenario and make sure that your funds are held in trust. Is that correct?
2: Yeah. And, you know, if you are trying to go directly, make sure that the owner or the person pretending to be the owner of the property is the owner of the property. Go and and take a look at this property make sure that it's going to be available. Better yet, you know, contact a realtor and, and try to get their opinion on that property and, and maybe even go through the proper channels and and go through the MLS and find proper listings that uh, you can move into. But it's uh, human nature. I mean, people are freaking out because they have a certain amount of days to try and get a property, and they just want to get into a property. So they're doing whatever it takes to get these properties, and sometimes it's offering more money, and that money is going to the wrong people. So make sure that uh, your money is protected and you actually have a place to move into
1: we can certainly understand that desperation that they're feeling. Now, in terms of home sale fraud, what's happening in those situations? So
2: with the home sale fraud, it's that one is mind-boggling because, you know, even if the realtor misses that, the lawyer should be able to catch that. Um, you know, we always try to match up names uh, and IDs with what's on the land registry. So we have our own land registry that we can search make sure that the the title on the property belongs to the person that's representing that property and and make sure that you can verify the identity of that person. And that means checking ID. It means verifying you know, tax information, things like that. So there are ways that we can do it. But at the end of the day, I, I know the realtors are being thrown under the bus on uh, some shows and, and uh, news articles and things like that. But... At the end of the day, the lawyer is the one doing the final transfer, and the lawyer should be able to catch that.
1: And we've also heard recently about mortgage fraud. What's happening there?
2: So mortgage fraud when when home equity uh, goes up a lot, and in the GTA, especially in the Toronto area, you you've seen houses appreciate quite a bit, and and that means there's a lot more equity available in those properties than probably was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, It happens a lot with seniors where they may not have a mortgage. And these fraudsters know that they can go and apply for a line of credit or a second mortgage on that property because there's equity available. So if the financial institution is not doing their proper work in uh, making sure that the title belongs to the person that they say it belongs to, and they're lending this money out, now people are putting a second mortgage on your property without you even knowing that, and they're taking this money, and now you owe all of this money against your property. So mortgage fraud is more susceptible, or seniors are more susceptible to mortgage fraud, but there are ways to protect yourself, and one of them is to go and apply for home equity line of credit. Have your bank block off the amount that's available on your property in terms of a line of credit. And that way, even if you're not using it, at least nobody else can go and put a second mortgage on it or a line of credit on your property and borrow money against it because your bank has a claim to the equity in that property.
1: That's good preventative advice, Asif. Thank you. And, you know, when we were preparing for this show this week, you know, I asked you, hey, what should we focus on? And you said it has been super busy inside your office. What's happening when... You know, you're also saying that inventory is low. So what is going on in terms of your clients and your agents?
2: Remember we were saying that, you know, you never know when the bottom of the market is. You can't time mm. the market. And the only way you know that you've hit the bottom of the market is when the market starts to take off again. And that's what's happening. We anticipated it would. there would be a flurry of activity. What if the Bank of Canada ever announced that? they're gonna be pulling back on the rate hikes. And that's exactly what happened. So after this quarter point increase, they had mentioned that this could be the only increase of the cycle, uh, barring any unforeseen reasons for them to hike it again. And that's all the buyers needed for consumer confidence to return. And now that the buyers have that confidence and they know that they may have a window of opportunity here, they're out there because there was a lot of pent-up demand. You know, we had 40% or 48% less sales in some areas last year than in the previous year. And it wasn't that people just decided home ownership wasn't for them. They were just waiting to see what happens with the interest rates and see what happens with the market. And now that there's some confidence out there, they're back out there. And that's going to put some downward pressure. We we do have about a three-month inventory level right now. And compared to last January, last January we had less than a month of inventory. Now we have three months of inventory. So it appears that there's a lot more inventory, but when you're looking at the the demand that's out there right now, and people jumping back into the market, we're starting to see multiple offers. And you've probably heard in the news about a few of these houses that had 20, 30 offers. You know, just in my office we've had 13, 14, 15, 20 offers. And this is just January. So as we start getting into the spring market, we're going to see more inventory, obviously, but at the same time, I think we're going to see more sales. And uh, we may have hit the bottom already. We don't know, but we may have hit the bottom already. So that window for buyers is closing.
1: Do you think that confidence then that people are feeling will fuel a price hike, much like what happened in 2022?
2: I think it will be uh, more of a controlled price hike. It's not going to be that free spending activity that we saw where people would just drop to $300,000 uh, extra on a property because the rates were low and it was affordable. You're still going to see multiple offers. You're going to see houses selling for $40,000, 50000 more, but you're not going to see the two or $300,000 because people have budgets they have to hit right now, and there's the fear that the interest rates could go up again. So, that fear wasn't there. The Bank of Canada had pretty much told Canadians, hey, don't worry about it Till 2024 or 2025, we are not going to hike the interest rate and then they reneged on that, and that's what caught a lot of people off guard was those false promises and then having the rate go up as significantly as it did. So now people are a little bit concerned and they're not gonna believe anything that they hear. Even if they say, this is gonna be the only rate hike of the cycle, I think there's a lot of people that are questioning that and, and wondering if there's gonna be more. So you're going to get controlled activity, Prices will continue to increase, they always do, but it's not going to be the double-digit increases. You might see 4%, 5%, 6% uh, increases in values,
1: but you're not going to see a lot more than that. You said controlled activity. What exactly does that mean?
2: I think people are smarter, they're more savvy, and they're more careful. And you know, the banks are very careful in how they're appraising properties and what they're lending against. So that is going to keep the market level-headed, and uh, we're not going to see those crazy bidding wars where, uh, again, people were spending over their means.
1: All right, we'll keep watching. After the break, the National Rent Report. This is On the Market on 105.9 Regions. Stay with us.
0: Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426 or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region.
1: Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties with today's guest, Asif.
2: Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Paul Dennison from Rentals.ca. Paul, welcome to On the Market.
3: Thank you, Asif. Great to be here.
2: Paul, there's so much going on with rentals and multiple offers for rentals. Tell us a little bit about what you're finding about rentals in the city.
3: Well, it's a tight vacancy rate, and uh, people have to compete to get uh, a, a place to rent. So if you're looking... Rents are high, and they're hard to find. We found in uh, in December, average rents for somebody looking for a place to rent for a one-bedroom is about uh, $2,457, two-bedroom at $3,215, really high rents.
1: And was that um, here in the GTA, Paul? Where was that?
3: Those were toronto specific numbers. Uh, we have numbers for other GTA cities, but basically all the rents in gta are are moving up and when you
2: when you talk about affordability and and rentals, there seems to be a disconnect between what's happening in the real estate market for sales and and rentals because Rentals just seem to be getting more and more competitive. Is this something that you've seen in previous downturns, or is this new to the rental market as well?
3: Well, we've seen it in previous downturns, but the difference here is we just came out of a pandemic where rents were low. So we're seeing this uh, recovery from the declines experienced during the pandemic. Uh, We're seeing a lot of uh, uh, population with my immigration coming in, a lot of immigration, but not enough housing for that immigration. And a lot of people are pulling back out of the, the home-buying market and staying in the rental market because interest rates are going up. So that's basically why some of this is happening.
1: And, Paul, you said that Toronto finished second on the list of your 35 cities for average monthly rent in December. And for a one-bedroom, you mentioned that it was twenty four fifty seven. And second for the average monthly rent for a two-bedroom at thirty-two hundred and fifteen, where did York Region towns or cities land on that list?
3: Well, we looked at uh, a lot of different ones. Vaughan finished eighth on the list of thirty-five cities, um, and that was for the one-bedroom. Sixth for a two-bedroom, uh, we I don't think we had any other of the York regions uh, mentioned in this one.
2: And, and Paul, how did uh, outside of Toronto fare with regards to rental prices? Is it a little bit more affordable outside of the GTA? Are you finding any areas that have maybe stabilized and, and maintained their rentals from previous years or is everything going up?
3: What we found is everything's going up. Obviously, if you look... Um, Close by to Hamilton, rents are are cheaper there. Uh, a one bedroom goes for seventeen sixty four. A two bedroom at twenty one forty five is cheaper, but still, uh, that one bedroom is thirteen point five percent more expensive than it was last year. Two bedroom a little over seventeen percent more expensive. Uh, you find the same thing in Kitchener, uh, Guelph, uh, London. Barry, I'm looking around here, all the rents uh, are going up, but obviously a little cheaper than what they are in Toronto and the GTA. So people are still moving out, but you have so much immigration coming in. Um, Toronto's uh, population is not going down by any means.
1: And here on this show last year, Osip described bidding wars in the rental market should listeners then expect much of the same this year do you think I think
3: still this year that's going to be the case but not quite as much I don't expect rents to rents to rise quite as high as they have they've been double digit anywhere from 10 to 12 13% every month year over year I think it's going to be more single digit maybe around 5% um, rents going up in 2023. So th- there might be some in the higher-end buildings, but I don't think we'll see it as, as much as we have in the past two years.
2: And we've been hearing a lot of stories about how difficult it is for people to get rentals right now in terms of their competition. You know, now we're looking at credit scores between 750 and 800 to qualify a rental, or income being about $100,000 to qualify, it's just that competitive. Do you see any relief in sight for people that are looking for that affordable rental?
3: Well, I think in the, in the near future, no. I mean, we, we just had a, another hike in interest rates uh, last week in BFC, and uh, hopefully that, that might be the last one. But, we, you know, we have inflation, we have interest rates still high. Um, it, it's tough out there for people. Prices are going up for everything, So, uh, and prices are going up for landlords, too. So it's going to be a tough market for a while.
1: Now, according to a CMHC report released late January, and according to some headlines, renters in Canada are facing the toughest market since 2001. Would you agree with that?
3: I absolutely agree. Mm. And the CMHC report comes out every year around this time. They do their study in October. Ours is a monthly report, and theirs is the total universe of all rentals, occupied or unoccupied. They don't do the secondary market, but... We do the secondary market, and ours are only vacant units. So while their numbers are bigger, our numbers are what renters are going to see when they're out there looking for a place to rent, if they have to move or they or they want to move. So, yeah, I completely agree with their assessment.
2: And lots of talk about more rental units becoming available in the city of Toronto and other municipalities. Where do you see the progress of that? Do you see any future inventory for rentals?
3: Well, the problem is that there is a lot of building. You see cranes, uh, you see stuff being built. It's just not enough. Um, You know, immigration in 2025 is going to hit probably a half million people coming in which is a good thing. And Canada has a proud and rich history of uh, immigration. But when you allow so many people to come in, the government also has to make arrangements for people to live somewhere. And there's not enough places being constructed for all the people who want to rent. That's the bottom line right now. And uh, vacancy rates in Toronto are around one percent and we'll probably stay there until governments figure out how to bring on some more supply
1: well people have to live somewhere and you know do you think that maybe they have to move away from the city center and what advice do you have then for our listeners who may need a rental property
3: Yes, I think that's the case. The problem is you have most of your jobs are going to be located in, in your uh, your major metro areas, but people may have to commute. people may have to take um, some kind of transit to get to where they work, but you are going to find more space for less money if you're outside of the, of a, a major metropolitan area so yes, uh, i think I think moving to you know Hamilton or St. Catharines or um, Woodstock, even um, Kitchener-Waterloo area. People are going to have to come up with some creative solutions to be able to find a place to live. And, Paul, as we close out, speaking
2: of creative solutions, do you think secondary suites would, uh, you know, some municipalities may have to relax their criteria for secondary suites and, and maybe... Allow basement apartments or laneway or coach houses uh, in their developments to be able to satisfy the, the rental demand that's not only here but
3: coming. I absolutely believe that uh, that those are a that that's one of the creative solutions to get more get more places available for people to rent you know, with, like you said, the, the basement apartments, laneway, garden rooms, suites, that type of thing. Um, you know, infill development is another way that this can happen where you're allowing developments uh, to take place where there's already approved zoning for it. Um, there's a number of other creative solutions that I mean, people are going to, probably in the already are, they're, they're living, you know, multi-generalization generalization people are uh, living together. Um, it, it's, it's just going to have to be creative solutions all the way around, not only from the renters, but I think the governments are going to have to get together and figure some things out too.
2: And for our listeners that haven't seen the National Rental Report, where can they find it?
3: Go to rentals.ca, and there's a little tab there right underneath that says Rent Report, and you can find it uh, right there every month.
2: Paul, well, thanks for your time and for joining on the market.
3: Thank you. I think we appreciate it.
1: When we come back, your questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us.
0: Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region.
1: Welcome back to On the Market. Time now for your questions for Asif Khan. And we begin with Nella in Maple, she wants to know, what is a seller obligated to disclose in a sale? Issues with mold, plumbing, what are your thoughts, Asif? That's a great question. And yeah, uh, disclosure
2: is a huge part of the listing process from not only the seller, but also the listing salesperson. And whatever they are aware of, they have to disclose. And if home inspection was done, obviously the inspector may catch some of this stuff. Uh, you know if the basement is finished it's a lot harder to catch some of this stuff because now it's behind the drywall but uh, there are tools that inspectors can use to determine if there's moisture back there and in turn to depend- determine if there's mold or or any water issues but Uh, Yes, for sure. They should disclose it. Now, if they didn't know about it and it was covered by drywall or they weren't aware of it, then that's different. Sometimes title insurance will cover you for certain things. It's best to speak to your lawyer and see what the title insurance does cover you for. And at the same time, uh, go back to the listing salesperson or your realtor and ask them if uh, they had any knowledge of any of this uh, taking place prior to the sale.
1: Okay, so let's go over that just a little bit more right now. If these problems then are not shared or identified by a home inspector, does the buyer then have any recourse?
2: there There really isn't recourse because everything is warranted up until the time of the sale. So if uh, you know if they catch this when they first get into the property or you know within a day or two, there may be some recourse but if they're finding these things out six months or a year later then there may not be it just it's, it depends on the type of issue it is and you know whether it's been ongoing whether you know you can always check if there's been insurance claims on the property you can always check if uh, there's been repairs made to the property and that way you'll know that there this was uh, existing damage or existing problems to the property and you may have recourse then but, if it's something that comes up and the seller really isn't aware of, and the listing agent wasn't aware of, then uh, it's quite likely that there would not be any recourse
1: and I know you heard the stories in early twenty twenty two when buyers purchase properties without a home inspection, without any kinds of conditions. What happens to those folks? They're just kind of stuck with it and need to do the repairs on their own at, you know, on their own dime, yeah. I guess, right?
2: They they are. And and, you know, there's lots of opportunities to do home inspections, even if you're going into multiple offers and you're going to need a clean offer to uh, secure that purchase. You could actually do a home inspection before the offer date. So there are, if it's an older home, I would definitely recommend that they do go in with the home inspection. or or at least with a contractor or someone to make sure that it's pretty sound. And you know, even though you can't do it after the fact, you can still do it before the fact, and you think of it as insurance, because that's probably gonna be the best 400 or $500 that you're gonna spend for peace of mind. So there are ways to do the home inspection prior to putting that offer in. However, you're, you're right in that if this comes out after the fact, it could be three months or six months or a year, then there likely is no recourse.
1: Okay, our next question comes from Tracy in Markham. She asks, are there services to declutter my home in preparation for sale, or could my agent help me with this first step?
2: Yeah, most of the time the agents will have a team or or they'll have people that to assist them in preparing homes for sale and assisting their clients prepare their homes for sale. But there also are services, downsizing services or decluttering services, cleaning services that uh, they would be able to come in and take some of the stuff out. You can also donate a lot of stuff. There's so many people that are looking for used stuff right now. And don't underestimate the value of uh, the online marketplaces. So Facebook, Kijiji, there's a lot of demand for furniture and things like that because everything is back ordered right now so people are having a hard time getting furnishings so they're turning to some of these online places that you could easily sell half of the uh, the, the contents in in a day typically so uh, you know there's a lot of different ways that you can prepare your home and declutter it uh, but these are just some of them.
1: You mentioned downsizing services. what exactly do they do? Where do they put your stuff or how do they sell it? And how much does it cost the person who is, you know, considering uh, downsizing?
2: So some people may, what they could do is do it on consignment. So they will take the stuff out, sell it over time and give you money for it when it uh, does sell. Uh, Other people may offer you a package for the, you know, almost like an estate sale where they come in and say, we will give you X thousand dollars for everything in this house and they will pack it up and take it away and and sell it for a profit or, uh, you know, donate. Uh, It depends on the the style of furniture, and the type of furniture and what it's worth. But again, certainly there's there's a lot of uh, different companies that will pick up your furniture and donate it to shelters or or donate it to people in need. Uh, Lots of different ways to do it.
1: Are you able to sell some of your stuff, sort of a content sale before the home is listed? Is that possible?
2: Yeah, it sure is. And and that's usually when, uh, it's usually a giveaway as to when a home in your area is coming on the market because Mm. you'll notice a lot of garbage outside. You'll notice that they're doing garage sales or yard sales. And usually that's a tip off that, uh, hey, these guys must be decluttering for a sale.
1: As a reminder, if you have questions for on the market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that?
2: They can reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426.
1: If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening.